everything seems quiet because there's a, you know, there's maybe 10% of the people there if that. The music's turned down and then people aren't screaming on Thunder Mountain. They're just kind of like riding the ride and just being quiet. It's, it's very weird. Welcome back, everybody, to another bonus edition of the DCL Duo podcast. And as we've been doing with these bonus editions, we're talking to folks who've spent some time down in the parks recently during the reopening period after COVID, well, during COVID, so to speak. And tonight we have with us on the show a, a repeat guest, Chris. Chris was on, I think, our second full episode, but he just took a family trip down to Disney World and we wanted to have him on to talk about it. So welcome back, Chris. Thanks. It's good to be back. So you had a bit of a unique trip down to Disney World from some of the other guests we've talked to, which we'll get into in just a second. But why don't you walk folks through, you know, who went with you and how long did you stay? Where did you stay? That sort of stuff. So it was my wife, uh, my daughter, who just turned 18, going off to college in a few weeks, and my son, who's 15. And we stayed six nights at a Copper Creek cabin. Nice. And six nights in a cabin. <laughs> That's got to, That had to have been fun. I, I have to stop there and say that that had to have been really fun, actually. It was a unique experience and they're they're really awesome i mean it was just really fun to sit out there in the evening after you know not a real long park day because they closed earlier but just to relax and watch the the boats go by and this, the monorails go by and just sit out there it was fun nice what well, and how crowded did things seem over copper creek while you were there completely dead the the wing of the actual hotel that faces the magic kingdom that's behind the cabins it was pitch black at night it was really weird whispering canyon was usually about 70 percent full at 50 percent capacity and there's always a few people People are rowing for it, getting some mobile orders, but the lobby would have maybe three or four people in at any given time. Wow. I think Copper Creek's a pretty big resort, right? Yeah, I think it's a fair size. It just, you know, there was a lot of cars around, you know, but I just never ran to people all that often. Even when you, the few times we took the bus somewhere, very few people. And the, when we went to the Magic Kingdom on the ferry, Magic Kingdom opened at nine. We just, we weren't in a hurry. So I said, let's get to the dock at 930. And it was us and one other family when we got there. Well, and so it sounds like, did you guys rent a car when you got there? Or did you take the Disney transportation on property? How'd you get around, I guess is the question. We used Disney transportation a few times, and we have a person that we've been using for 10 years that works for Muir's Transportation that picks us up at the airport. And since minivans weren't running, and I noticed that the lift wasn't really available, it was there, but sometimes it's like 26 minutes out or something. I had scheduled her, and she drove us a lot of places on this trip, more than normal. Do you feel safe over Copper Creek? Yes. I mean, as soon as you walk in, there's a big card on the entry table showing the, the remotes and the plastic bag and showing all the things they cleaned. And this is not because of COVID. Anytime we've ever checked into a hotel, I'd always get the Clorox wipes and wipe stuff down myself. So this time I wiped out a bottle of like spray for me and then Clorox wipes. So I did everything they said they did. I just did it again. Just, you know, refrigerator handle, everything. So I felt safe that, you know, we never ran anybody even walking outside the cabin. So it was not like we were dodging people all the time. It was really remote. At Copper Creek, were people wearing masks around the property and that sort of thing? Yes, it was 100% mask compliance everywhere you went. And I normally like to go for a run when we're on these trips, especially, you know, the nights to see the monorail in the background as you're running and whatever. And when I realized I was going to have to wear a mask, I was like, yeah, this is not happening. <laughs> oh, well, so they're making you wear the mask even outdoors exercising. It's, well, because you're on Disney property. So I imagine if I went off Disney property, it wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. But I think on Disney property, it was 100% you had to wear it. So I didn't even bother to try. I saw one person one day running with a mask on. I was like, 
I couldn't do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, it sounds like things were pretty quiet over at Copper Creek, but otherwise, otherwise good. It sounds like Whispering Canyon was open. Anything else? I mean, was the resort generally kind of open? Were the facilities generally kind of open or were things still shut down? So Whispering Canyon was open. Roaring Fork was doing mobile orders. And this is the same with all their mobile orders now. All their quick service, I should say. You have to mobile order and you have to wait outside until your order is ready and you go in and pick it up. So you can't go in, wander around, think, oh, that looks good. I want to get one of those and one of those. It's just you got to order everything. The gift shop was open and, you know, they had two or three people working the front desk. I never really saw anyone go up there. So, I mean, things were open. It's just really quiet. Someone who was on recently mentioned that they were really pushing the chat feature in the app a little bit more as a way to interact with kind of guest services. Did you notice that or have a chance to use it at all? I never used it. I saw it on the app and I only had one question the whole stay. When we got there, it was like eight o'clock at night. We had we went and had dinner at Whispering Canyon. As we're walking back to the room, I'm like, oh, I forgot to get our magic bands. They're sitting at the front desk. We'll get them in the morning. We had brought some other ones with us. And first thing in the morning, I went to ask about the magic band, and they already been sent back. So that's the only interaction I had with the front desk. Let's just talk through your trip a little bit. Now, you, I said up front you had kind of a unique trip because I know that you booked a VIP tour while you were down there. Which day did you do that tour, Chris? We did the first tour it with Disney on Tuesday. On Monday, we just went to the parks on our own. And then we had a tour with Universal on Wednesday. Oh, awesome. Yeah, let's talk about both of those for sure. Let, well, let's start the day you went on your own. It sounds like you kind of had a late start, but that didn't really impact your ability to have fun in the park. What, what was it like getting into Magic Kingdom on that Monday? Yeah, so we purposely waited. We were tired. We came from California. So I was like, there's no rush to get into the park. So we got to the dock at 930. We got to the Magic Kingdom about 945. And I literally walked up and there was, I think, 10 turnstiles open with not one person in them. Went through the turnstiles. It took two seconds. We had taken our temperature beforehand at the boat dock, I believe. I'm trying to remember now. And went through the turnstiles, piece of cake, got under the train track, got to Main Street. And there's like, you know, a hundred people in my view on the whole Main Street. It's like, wow, this is weird. And we went straight to, went to on Buzz. Larry just walked on, went straight to um, Space Mountain, walked, just walked in the queue, got on, got off of it and went to Line Train, which I think it said 15 or 20 minutes. I don't remember. It looked really long because obviously everyone's spaced out. So it filled it filled up the normal queue, came outside about 50 feet. And so every all the whole day was like that. After then, we went to a few stores, I think, looked around. And then we had a lunch at Kipper Canteen and that was really, it was maybe 70, 80% full of their, whatever their, their 50% capacity is now. And then after lunch, we just hit all the other rides. And I think our longest wait was Splash and it was 20 minutes. Everything else was pretty much just walking the queue or maybe five, 10 minutes. Wow. You know, something I haven't asked people about is like, what's, what is that queue line experience like and the loading experience like on some of these, these rides where there are weights? So yeah, it depends on your party. So they're leaving a, uh, an empty row between parties. So we, first time we went on it, we were party of four. So we had the front and then there's an empty row and then a party of four, an empty row and a party of two, I believe. And so like on, on Splash, we had our own log on Pirates, they're loading the front row and the back row only. So us four were in the front row and there was two people in the back row. How many how many rows are in between on I'm trying to remember it's because it's Magic Kingdom Pirates. I think there's seven rows. Wow. And what it was, we had rows one and two for the four of us. And then there was, oh, I think, five empty rows and then two people in the very back row. And that's how it looked all day when you saw when you're in there seeing the boats go by. I mean, you would see ride vehicles on Space Mountain go by with one person in, you know, of the available six seats. It was, it was very, it was just the whole, it was very surreal. This And the lines, they had the markings down. 
you know, every six feet or sometimes farther, because depending on how a switchback and a turn was going to be, how close you'd be to someone, 99% of the time, everyone just followed it really well. There was one time there was a party in front of us right on the other party in front of them, just right behind. I, I thought they were together at first, and then I realized they weren't. And that was the only time I saw that. And I saw one person had a mask pulled down on their chin, and someone told them right away. Everyone was complying with everything, which was nice. And so it was this really low-key. I mean, is this you know, standing here in this spot. And then, you know, about 20 seconds later, you move to the next spot. Wow. And and how are the cast members you interacted with in the park? I mean, they, they seem upbeat. All the ones we encountered seemed really ex- upbeat, excited, just like they were just happy to have guests back. It's, it's tough to hear them sometimes because they're wearing a face mask and a shield. And so that's one thing I did notice and it got confirmed to me later that a lot of the music has been turned down on the rides and in the land. So you could hear the cast members because, you know, they're with their muffled voices now. So that's one thing. Everything seems quiet because there's, a, you know, there's maybe 10 percent of the people there. If that the music's turned down and then people aren't screaming on Thunder Mountain. They're just kind of like riding the ride and just being quiet. It's, it's very weird. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, they're not cleaning the rides between riders or are they wiping them down? They're not wiping them down between riders. At Disney, there is hand sanitizer, you know, in the area right before the ride. And every hour and a half to two hours, they will cycle all the vehicles through as they spray them, like the weed sprayer with this. I think it's a 24-hour sanitizer they're spraying on there and they're spraying it on less than every two hours. And I was told at Universal, if a rider takes their mask off and the, they're, they're, because they're watching on the cameras and they see they're not just adjusting real quick, but they have their mask off during the ride. They'll pull that ride vehicle out and sanitize it. Oh, wow. And so that's at Universal. That, I was told that at Universal because we were on a tour and we know the person well. And he's telling us the procedures. Because Universal, they actually squirt hand sanitizer in your hand as you're getting on the ride. Oh, that's well, that's interesting. I, and I like that, actually. I wish that would stay forever. Yeah. Oh, some of this stuff I really hope persists, right? I mean, like, I hope we can all get to a place at some point where maybe we don't wear, we don't all have to wear masks all the time. Although it's not the worst thing in the world to prevent the spread of like the flu if we were wearing masks, if we weren't feeling well, right? But like hand sanitizer being prevalent, people washing their hands, just generalized like better sanitation practices <laughs> seems like a good outcome from all of this. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah. And I, I kept track one day, one day I, my I used hand sanitizer 60 times, plus wash my hands like a half a dozen times. <laughs> well, that's good. I, you know, when this all started, we we took a trip down to Disneyland in March right before it shut down and we were wiping our hands constantly. I ended up with a rash on my hands because we had used so much of the, the hand sanitizer that we brought. So we pretty much did Magic Kingdom on Monday and pretty much did everything we wanted to do. I think we left at 5.30 maybe. I mean, we didn't even stay the whole day. It's just, we got everything done and we were kind of tired from traveling the day before. And Oh, I'm sorry. We had be our guest that night. So we had to be our guest at six o'clock. And so we actually left the park at 715. And like in Fantasyland, we were the only people in there besides some cast members. And what was be our guest like? Was it you did they have a lot of spacing out? Like what 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 was that like? So I, I believe in Florida they could have 50% of normal capacity. So they've left all the tables in place. So it's just every other table. So it ends up being more than six feet even. So it's you know usually it's like eight, ten feet. And at six o'clock the restaurant was probably 90% full. By 6.30, it was 50% full. And I think the last reservations they took were 6.45 that night. Oh, wow. Yeah, because what, what time Magic Kingdom closed at 9 or 10? No, it closed at 7. 7. Okay. Okay. Wow. And what time did it open in the morning?
morning? It opened at nine. Nine. Okay. So you're like a half hour behind, walked right in, walked on just about everything or mostly walked on or waited a brief period for everything you wanted to do, close at seven. What was the experience like leaving the Magic Kingdom at seven o'clock and how did you, you know, did it just make for a relaxing vacation or were you looking for things to do then? No, it actually made for a relaxing vacation because everyone, you know, we're kind of tired and just went back. Everyone took, you know, that's one thing. We all took a shower immediately once we got back to the room, you know, took our clothes off. And I just sat out on our porch for a couple hours, just, you know, catching up on emails and stuff like that. And it was just, it was, I enjoyed it. It's just, it was the most relaxing Disney trip we've ever done. We weren't there at rope drop. We weren't trying to be there late at night and just everything was relaxing. Well, okay. So let's, let's shift gears over to your VIP tour, Chris. What, what prompted you to go for the VIP tour during this period? And, and, and I'll just ask, did you regret it after your first day at Magic Kingdom? Because, you know, it was the parks were empty. You could have done whatever you wanted. I started to regret it a little bit. I was thinking, why are we doing this? We don't need to do it. But it allowed us to park hop. And for we were we had five full days, but we planned on spending two day, one day at Universal and one day at Volcano Bay. So we would not be able to do all the Disney parks. And I didn't want to dedicate a whole day to Epcot because I knew there wasn't much we wanted to do there. So I regretted it a little bit. But once we got on the tour, we were able to accomplish. We went to three parks and got. Uh, we could have done four parks, but we did a lot accomplished. What time did the tour start for you in the morning? They picked us up at the hotel at nine o'clock. Normally, we're, we're a family of four that pick you up in Suburban, which is super easy to get out of. You know, we have one home, so we're familiar with the vehicle. It's just easy. But since of COVID now, they everyone's in a 15-passenger van. No one can sit up front with the driver, and no one can sit in the first bench either. So it was kind of a pain having to crawl to get in the back of the van every time. And so which park did you head to first? We went straight to Studios. Went and rode Mickey and Minnie's and then waited at 10 o'clock to get a Rise Resistance boarding group. And then we got our Rise Fast Pass at 10. And for some reason, I knew I was worried about it because I had problem at Disneyland. As soon as I pulled up the app, it lifted my daughter, my son, my in-laws, and a friend of ours. My wife and I weren't even on there. <laughs> so I selected the kids, hit submit, got uh, group 34. And then we had to, our VIP guy went over to guest services and added my wife and I to it. And so, and so, yeah. So I think you told me before the trip that they, you had hoped that they would add Rise to the VIP tour, given everything that was going on, but they had not. So you still had to do the boarding no. house experience. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous because there's only 14 guides right now and only 14 tours a day. It's like you can't let 14 groups, you know, have access. Yeah. Well, and so what ended up being, so you got your boarding pass. How long did you have to wait around to get on the ride at that point? So as soon as we got the boarding pass, it said estimated wait 200 minutes. So we immediately left that park and we went to Epcot, did test track, um, Frozen, left there, went to Animal Kingdom and did Wolf Rides in Pandora, Dinosaur and Everest. And I think something else. And about that time, we, we ate lunch at, at Satuic Canteen. Canteen. Yeah. And that's a, a different thing now with the guides. Usually the guide would join us for lunch. They can't join us for lunch and they can't even eat in the building with us because they want to save the space for families that are there oh, on vacation. Wow. wow. So she got, we got our food. She got her food. She said, I have to go outside. Text me when you're done. And so when we were done, we texted her and she met us outside. And by the time we did all that, it was about time to go back to studios. I think at that time it said our boarding group got called. So we went back to studios. She took us to the line and that whole, you know, waiting in the line there, you know, riding the ride took about 40 minutes. So it ate up, you know, a chunk of the tour time. And then when we were done with Rise, we rode the rest of the stuff at studios. We did Rock and Roll Coaster a couple times. Slinky Dog had a, at that time, if we had the wait, it was a 20 minute wait at two o'clock in the afternoon. Did you do Tower of Terror? 
Yes, we did. What was that? I'm curious what that ride is like socially distanced because and so how did they did each party get their own car or something? Like how are they loading that ride? So we walked straight through the pre-show and they had some people on one side, some people on the other, basically. And like on Rise, on Rise, we had our own car. There was just four of us in there and there was a girl in front of us by herself. She had her own car. Wow. And so for Rise, did they have all of the pre-show elements running or were some of them shut down? Everything was running for rides. That's the only ride we went on that had all the pre-show stuff functioning. And they had a spot for you to stand on. Each group stood on a spot. I think there was five spots in the first room. And then when you board the shuttle, so those five spots transferred over the shuttle. So everyone was at least 10, 15 feet apart. And then once you rode, you got in there, they would skig in to have the spots for you to stand on. And, and Mickey and Minnie's, that's the other one that I've heard that like people who have experienced the pre-show say it feels fairly integral to the ride. I don't know if you would have experienced Experienced it on a VIP tour or not, but but were they were they running the pre-show? Do you know? No, they weren't. And what was weird, they had the spots on the ground, like Rise Hood. They, so they had each group stand on a spot. I thought, okay, they're going to run the pre-show. And we stood there a minute or two, and then they took us out of that room into the queue part in the back. So there was no pre-show. Huh, interesting. And Test Track has its pre-show pretty well shut down at this point too, right? You're not designing a car. Not, everyone's not touching a screen to design a car, that sort of thing. Yeah, you walked, you bypass all that. And then so for all... Most of the rides on the VFA tour, you're using the, the original FastPass line. So a lot of those FastPass lines uh, you know, bypass some of the stuff already. And so you're using those lines. And the only people that are using those lines right now are VIP tours, Club 33, and people need the guest assistance passes. And so we never saw anybody else in that line. They'd have all the markers on the ground, but we'd always walk straight to the front. I got to believe sooner. Well, the parks aren't at a capacity where they even need fast passes, but I, I guess they're probably planning for the worst case, right? This goes on for a while and they have to reopen fast pass lines. But of the parks you visited, did any of them feel busier than the others? My, my sense is that Hollywood Studios is the busiest park at the moment, just based on all the new stuff that's over. Open, but did you have a sense were any of them busier than the others? I think they were all about the same, but you get a sense at the studios at 10 o'clock because everyone is comes in, in the entrance and everybody, I don't know if you've seen the pictures on Twitter and stuff, make it look like there's 5,000 people there. There's 500 people there. When that one picture was taken, I was actually at the, I was in front of Mickey and Minnie's looking at those people. I should have took a pic because you could see they're all spaced out, but I don't know why they chose to stand there because we were over between Gertie the Dinosaur and Mickey and Minnie's and there really wasn't anyone within 100 feet of me. So there's plenty of spaces to go every Everywhere, but I found out after, as soon as the, the fast passes are given out for, or for, for Rise, all those people on the entrance there left. They either got it and were coming back a couple hours later, or they're locals and they're just going home for the day. So within within five minutes, it was empty, and they didn't come into the park. They left the park. Yeah, that's like the, the effect at Disneyland. I mean, at Disneyland, you, if you get your Rise boarding pass, you stick around in the park, and if you're not, you're a local, you go home. And it's kind of the Disneyland thing. Yeah, so that was the only time that it ever felt like, ooh, this is kind of a big crowd. But it was it just looked that way, but it wasn't, you know, everyone was spaced out accordingly. And and they had people there making sure they were spaced out. Well, I've also heard some people comment that at Hollywood Studios, like to your point, the crowd is probably of similar size, but the studios are laid out in a way with some kind of narrow corridors and things that kind of compact people down in a way that some, you know, Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom and some others really don't. So part of that effect, I think, just comes from the way the park is laid out, not so much the number of people who are going to be there, right? 
It, it does. And we, we're coming out of corners sometimes like, oh, there's country. Let's walk to the right and get around all these people. I never was any closer to anyone than I wanted to be. I mean, I was over the void, everybody all the time. And then, you know, there's idiot people that aren't paying attention, walking, looking at their phones, like walking right towards you. You just have to walk around them. What was Disney Springs like? Because that's the other place where I've heard people sort of complaining a little bit that it feels maybe a little crowded, less directed, you know, that sort of thing. But how did you guys feel over there at Disney Springs? So we went to Disney Springs probably three or four times went for dinner several nights during the day it was really dead we got there like at 10 30 i think and left at 2 30 i mean it was just really quiet in the evenings it was a little busier you were never next to anybody um the restaurants you know they're seating 50 percent, and the ones we were at weren't even full the disney store you know, has a queue sometimes or they didn't need it when we were there so nothing was ever really just like overwhelmingly busy were they pretty good about mask enforcement at disney springs as well yes everybody had a mask on unless they were sitting and drinking i, I even it's like when we were sitting there drinking something, out of habit, I'd take a drink and put my mask back on. I started looking around and other people were doing the same thing. So it was, I saw, you know, everyone had masks. That wasn't an issue. Anything about your time at Disney that stood out to you that you, you know, would want to make sure folks heard about either really positive or, you know, even a little bit concerning? On the positive side, there's sanitizer everywhere. They were, in, you know, enforcing the masks. I actually, by Rock and Roller Coaster, there was a family sitting way off the side on the curb, kind of like the behind Tower Terror, behind some bushes. And there's like a five-year-old girl had her mask off. And I saw a cast member go and tell her to put it back on. And they weren't within 50 feet of anybody. And they were making these be spaced out. I never felt a comfortable the least one the whole time I was in any of the Disney parks. And, you know, the only negative is it's just kind of odd without a lot of people there. It's, you know, it's everyone thinks I must have been so great, but it's like, yeah, but it's also kind of like not as fun in a little bit that, you know, that you don't hear people screaming and yelling and laughing. But overall, we had a great time in the parks, felt safe the whole time. Every cast member we encountered was just super upbeat, happy, seemed like just we're happy to be there. So, Chris, one more question on the VIP tour aspect of all of this, and maybe it's two questions. One is, was there anything different about the tour this time around that you noticed? And then the other question I have is just, are they doing anything to discount the tours at this point in time? So, unfortunately, they're not discounting anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this was the, the cheapest rate I've ever paid, actually, even, even for the summer. And the, the only thing different about the tour is, I mentioned about the vehicle riding over there, but also wouldn't have mattered for us, but they're not allowed to touch strollers. So, if you have a couture the VIP guide a lot of times will push a store for you or hold your kid's hand or you know hold your child or whatever and they can't ride the ride with you anymore either but we're on the second day of VIP tours for Disney and I think it's evolving so I think there's going to be changes will be going on as they see how things are working so you know for us it wasn't a huge impact but for people that you know usually it's like oh stay with a two-year-old you guys ride the ride they can't do that anymore oh wow okay yeah so they can't do they can't serve as like your child swap basically Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's shift over to Universal for a second, because you you did a VIP tour over there. I'm curious to hear how that went and also sort of hear your observations, maybe comparing and contrasting some of the things that Universal is doing with what Disney's doing. So you guys head over to Universal. I've never done a VIP tour at Universal. So, you know, what what's that like? And, you know, what's different about it? So just in general, a a Universal tour, you get breakfast, lunch and dinner. And normally they have like a lounge for VIP tours where they'll have a buffet for breakfast and a buffet for lunch. So obviously that's not happening 
happening now. So we had breakfast at the MB, the Today Show Cafe, and that was really, really good food. like better than the buffet ever was. And then we had lunch at Mythos and dinner at Tucson. So that's one thing that's different. And so as soon as we got there, we had our guide. And it was our, our normal guide that we've known for about six, seven years now. And he said, you know, I said, so what's going to be different about the tour? He goes, for you guys, not much. He says, because we've been, you know, we, we've been doing our tours for 45 days now. And we have the option of riding the ride with you if we're comfortable doing it. So he says, I can ride the ride with you. If you, I can eat with you. It's up to you guys. And he said the way he's been doing it is in the first half an hour of the tour, he looks at the family and notices, are they using hand sanitizer like extra times? Are they complaining about having these? Are they you know getting too close to people and stuff? So he said he's only eating lunch with three tours and they're all tours that their families repeat tours for him. But they're told to do what, you know, don't do anything that makes them uncomfortable on their tours. Comparing and contrasting Disney and Universal for a second, I mean, I assume across these two parks, you're going to see a lot of things that are the same. Temperature checks, mask enforcement, lots of hand sanitizer out and available. But what were the differences? Were there any additional protocols that Universal had or any protocols that Disney had that Universal was lacking? So they all had very similar protocols. The only difference was at Universal, they would actually squirt hand sanitizer in your hand as you board the ride, which I liked. So everybody had to use it or you weren't going to ride the ride. Yeah, that seems like a good thing for sure. And what were wait times like at Universal? Not five minutes. I mean, they were, I think the only, the longest wait board I saw was um, Hagrid's Coaster. Mm -hmm. And I think it was 20 minutes or 30 minutes when I saw it, but we got the ride several times with the guy. But yeah, the I would say just in general, since Universal has been open a good month longer, that their crowds have kind of died down for the summer. It was really a lot of open space. Even when you're in, you know, in the Harry Potter areas, it's so odd not to see those, just people packed in there. It's like you notice things you usually don't notice. I noticed that at both parks, at Disney and Universal. It's like we're walking. I'm like, well, I never noticed that sitting area right there because it's usually a wall of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's a good comment, too. I wonder what's going to happen to the capacity at these parks or the the attendance, I should say, the attendance at these parks once, uh, you know, school starts back up. I know Universal is worried about attendance in the fall because Halloween Horror Nights was kind of helped them boost their attendance. And they, you know, they had to cancel that, unfortunately. I think September, October, November are going to be painfully slow for Universal. I feel bad for all the people that are, you know, getting furloughed again or losing their jobs because it's just slow. And Disney was just slow, too. You can tell they had space for more people. Um, Like all the queues at both parks had like enough people to wait for like an hour and a half. You see, you know, you're walking in the middle of the park. I'm like, why are these markers here? Like, oh, it's for the ride that's, you know, 300 yards up there. So they haven't had to use them yet. And so unfortunately, I think these parks are going to struggle. We went to Volcano Bay on Friday. And if there was 700 people there, I think that was a stretch. Did did one park or the other come out a winner in your mind in terms of a place to visit right now? Or, you know, we're both just relatively on equal footing. I think they're pretty equal. Maybe Universal's a little slower and you can you could probably go there and do every ride in one day, no problem, without without using Express. And what are their hours like over at Universal right now? So Universal Studios was nine to five. Islands of Adventure was 10 to 6. Well, Chris, I always like to sort of wrap things up by asking people kind of, you know, you know, overall, did you feel safe throughout the trip or are there any points in time where you felt less safe? And the value, the value of the trip, did you feel like the value was there for your family that you're, you know, the way to say it is, did you, did you feel like you, you got the experience that you wanted or was what was lacking if not? We felt completely safe in both parks the whole time. Never had any issues. Anyone getting too close to me. Um, 
that was never an issue. The value, my family got the value. It was, we had a great time. Mm -hmm. We rode a lot of rides. We had a, we're leisure about it. Didn't have to worry about, you know, we have a return time that we booked 60 days ago for a fast pass to get to, but we want to eat lunch here. You don't have to deal with any of that. But if you have little kids that princesses or characters are a big thing, if your four-year-old little girl wants to see a princess, they go by several times on a parade float during the day waving at you, but you cannot, you know, get close to them at all. So I see that could that could be a deal breaker with people with smaller children. But even at that, just being able to just stress fee, ride and all so much stuff and get dinner reservations. I mean, I kept changing our reservations like the Saturday before we left. We're also able to change our park days. Three, you know, On Tuesday, I was like, well, maybe we'll go to Epcot on Thursday. So I went home that night. We got to the resort and changed our park day to go to Epcot. And we ended up not even going. Well, Chris, any advice you'd give anyone who's thinking about going during this time? You know, considerations to have. Is it a great time to go? <laughs> sorts of things. I think it's a great time if you're, you know, if you're comfortable going and I know well, I have some I know some people that haven't left their house literally since March. So they're not the kind of people that would go. But most of the people around us have been working full time. We didn't have a choice. And so the way, my life hasn't changed except for going out to restaurants. So going to the park was actually more relaxing for me than being home. And we felt comfortable the whole time. It depends on your airport. I mean, if you could drive there, that you know, I wish I could drive there. The airports are the the part that's kind of sketchy. It depends what airport it is. Well, and Chris, it would be remiss of me since you are such a cruise line enthusiast and we are a cruise line podcast i i would love to just ask your thoughts real quick on what do you think it will take to get these ships sailing again and what would make you and your family feel safe about getting back on a disney cruise i think they're gonna have to go plexiglass like they're doing at the parks mm -hmm. there's gonna be a lot less people on the cruises i, I at first i was thinking it'd be 50 percent mm -hmm. but after seeing the parks i'm thinking these gonna have to start sailing with 25 percent yeah and as soon as we can sail, we will be there. We have a November 9th cruise that hasn't been canceled as of yet, but I'm 99.9% .9 sure it's not happening. And then after that, we have February on the Wonders, and I'm starting to wonder if that's going to happen. Yeah, we've got February on the Wonder. I think we're I think we're coming on the ceiling right after you or right before you on the Wonder, and it's uh, I'm getting sort of less and less optimistic about it by the day, unfortunately. Yeah. I think any seven-night cruise is not going to happen in 2021, unfortunately. I think there are going to be three and four-night cruises because if there is an issue, they could shut it down a lot quicker than being gone seven nights. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I see it leaning towards that. I could see them doing a seven-night if it's just out and back to Castaway Key because if they had to, they could they could bring the ship back early. C correct. I don't see my Greek Isle, my nine night next June happening, unfortunately. And I had to cancel the one this June. So it's going to be, I think 2021 is going to be another tough year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can only, we can only hope that things improve. I, you know, one other question on the cruise line topic really fast, Chris, is like, what, what things would dissuade you from going on a cruise and, you know, kind of what things would you want to be able to see or do on a cruise that if they really started to ratchet it back or cancel it, you'd, you'd sort of start to question whether the value is there. I think, and I, th I think like if the pools were closed or had limited times, you can go there. Obviously, the dining is going to be an issue. So, you know, if you're going, if you know, if you couldn't have Palo or something like that, I think Disney's smart enough. They're not going to sail until they can give a certain amount of guests a, nor a certain amount of normalness on the cruise, what they're coming to expect. Yeah, I, I, I just wonder at what point the, I, we haven't seen kind of a fair drop yet. 
right? No. Really. I mean, the way they're sort of accomplishing the fare drop is giving the people who had cruises an extra 25%. So you're kind of getting 25% off your, your cruise, right? But but there's been no real fare drop for people who weren't already booked. Uh, and I do wonder at what point, I mean, Disney already charges as premium for the cruise experience. You know, at what point are you, have you shaved enough off of that experience that it's like, really isn't worth the price you're asking us to pay any longer. Now, to be fair, if it's only a ship that's 25% full, that's a far different, you know, sort of cruising experience than you would otherwise have. So that might justify it. But I do sort of start to struggle with those fares are high. And so, you know, if other ships start to or other lines start to discount their fares, is Disney going to have to follow suit? So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and I know I saw you know, I'm sure you saw where like fall 2021 sailings, really the prices didn't go up. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I mean, the cruise industry is getting raked over the coals right now. And so, it, you know, if anything else, the thing, the key to success for them is to have a successful sailing without anyone getting sick. And some cruise lines that have already started operating early are experiencing the opposite of that, which I don't think is doing any favors to the rest of the industry. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's going to be really tough for them right now. Well, Chris, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on and talk about your family's vacation and your thoughts on the cruise line. So thanks for coming back on. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me again. It's always good to talk to you. Well, I really appreciate Chris coming on the show this week and just sharing his experiences of his family and his perspective. Chris has a rather unique perspective on going to Disney, obviously, with VIP tours and Chris frequently sales concierge. So his experience is a little bit different than some out there in terms of what he's come to expect from Disney. But, you know, still his observations, his experience are great. I also really appreciate Chris being able to share with us sort of the differences that he saw between Disney and Universal. And for those of you contemplating a VIP tour during this period, I think it's good to hear sort of what's changed, what's different, uh, what to expect from that experience. So I, again, I really appreciate Chris coming on the show and sharing his experiences. It's always great to hear from him. With that, I do want to thank everyone for listening to the bonus episode again this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also do head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written five-star review. Those reviews are really helpful in making the podcast more visible. And as I said on the regular podcast this week, uh, we're doing a little bit of a giveaway with a complete set of Cleaning the Kingdom books signed by Lynn Barron and his co-author Ken. So head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star written review to get entered into a drawing for those. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. And uh, we have released our DCL 101 series or the first episode of that series, and we're going to be putting out more content here in the coming weeks. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on this show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have a question about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time for another fabulous adventure with the DCL duo. Stay safe and stay healthy out there. Good night. Good night.